Gryffindor Fellowship. If you are just tuning in with us online, welcome. If you are here, welcome. If you are new to joining us, welcome. Um, it is a blessing to be here and uh, always an honor um, to get to teach from this good book right here. Uh, if, if you're new to Open Door, I, I will tell you pretty quickly, you will realize that we are pretty excited about this guy named Jesus. We believe he was God's son. We believe he was God. We believe that he uh, is changing the world and has changed the world. Uh, it doesn't mean that uh, to come hang out with us, you have to believe all those things. You are welcome here um, regardless. And our hope uh, is that if you hang out with us long enough, you might agree with us, but that uh, certainly shouldn't prevent you from hanging out with us. Um, we also believe in this book called the Bible, and we believe uh, that um, there is life and freedom and hope found on um, the pages of this book, and that it points to a man named Jesus Christ, and we believe that he uh, is the one who brought about such things. If you don't own one, uh, we want to give you one. Just be careful um, to open it because it might actually change your life like it has for me. Um, we, are, we are right in the middle uh, of kind of transitioning from, we were in this uh, series called Pause. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, go listen to it. Uh, we are still in the midst of what seems like kind of a forced pause with some of the restrictions that are on us. Um, but we are now transitioning into a new thought uh, and, and this series uh, that we'll be in uh, for the next eight weeks, well, we started last week, we'll go this week, and then six more, is called Restart, Restart. And uh, it really is a study through the book of Philippians. We're not going to go every single verse of Philippians, but we're going to pull out some nuggets of truth. And we believe that um, through studying this book of Philippians, that this is a, an incredible letter from the Apostle Paul, who is currently in chains and he is um, spending a, a ton of time trying to encourage this church in, in Philippi of who they are, what they were created to be about, and uh, man, what a, what a, what a beautiful um, letter. So that's where we're hanging out today. If you have your Bibles, we will primarily be in Philippians 1, 12 through 18, so you, if you want to get, get ready for that. Um, but first, it's Happy Father's Day. So dad's in the house. Happy Father's Day to you. Um, I, have, I have two dads in particular that I would like to thank, and um, one of them being Tom Kuyper. Tom, are you in here? I know you, I saw you here. At one point you were in here. Um, Tom, you, you, uh, it's been an incredible gift 12 years ago uh, to step in and get to be uh, your son, and you have taught me generosity. You've taught me patience. You, you really... Um, have allowed me to learn how to love your daughter, um, my wife Kaylee, and you have given me space to learn how to love your granddaughters, and I wouldn't be the man I am today without you, so thank you. I love you. And then to my dad, um, dad, I, I thank you um, because I, I don't think there is anyone that has shaped my life more profoundly than you. Um, you you have taught me what it means to be faithful to a spouse. You have taught me what it means to be faithful um, to the call of God on your life. You have taught me what it means to be faithful to the gospel. And um, I would for sure not be the man I am today without you. And you taught me how to play golf, and that maybe is the most important. So, just kidding. And to my daughters, 
Macy and Peyton. Um, thank you for letting me figure out how to be your dad. It is one of the greatest honors of my life is to get to be your dad. And I know I don't always do it perfect, but I hope you know how much I love you. Happy Father's Day to me. <laughs> All right, I've actually got a sermon prepared and some thoughts and some stories. I want to start with two stories. Um, one is true, one is not. You'll figure out quickly which is which. Uh, but, but I'll start with one that maybe you've actually heard this story. Uh, you maybe have heard of both. But the first one is this happened several years back, maybe almost 10 years ago now. Uh, a ship uh, sank in the ocean, and there was one, uh, primarily one survivor that got washed up to shore on an uninhabited island. And he was there for several days, um, and really it was this cry of desperation from him. him. He, was, he was a believer, and he was crying out to God and saying, save me, save me, save me, save me. And nothing was happening, nothing was happening, and he was getting more and more defeated to the point where he uh, realized he could be there a while. So he built a shelter, a little hut, um, built a nice fire ring where he, what would keep him warm. And at one point, he is out uh, walking around, foraging, uh, looking for things to eat, to, to take care of himself. And um, he leaves his hut unoccupied, and it has all of his belongings, all of the things he was able to grab from the ship, and he comes back to the hut, and the hut is up in flames. And it is burning to the ground, and it's all he really has at this point. And he falls down onto the ground, and he cries out to God, and he says, why would you do this to me? Why would you do this to me? You know I'm miserable. You know I'm dying. Why would you do this to me? And, and he falls asleep that night in the state of bitterness, anger, fear, frustration, mad at God. And in the morning... He wakes up to a horn of a boat that is coming up on shore, and a man gets out and says, is anyone here? Can I help anyone? Does anyone need help? And uh, the guy gets up from his sleep, and he says, yes, yes, me, 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 me. I need help. I need help. And he goes, wait, hold on. How did you guys know I was here? Well, we saw your smoke signal. So that's one story. Second story is about a man um, who is... Uh, about to die, he's in his last weeks of life, and he gets met by an angel. And the angel says, hey, you're about to go home to heaven. And he says, um, you know, hey, I've, I've done really well for myself here on earth, and wondering if, if it would be okay if I took some things with me. Uh, and the angel says, really, we only allow you to bring one carry-on, so whatever you can get in that suitcase, go for it. And so he does. He goes back to his house, and he gets, opens his safe, and he opens it up, uh, and he gets in there, and he realizes the most valuable thing he has is a bunch of these gold bricks. And so he stuffs his suitcase full of them, organizes them like Tetris so they fit perfectly, and he is toting this now, after he has passed on, he is toting it to the gates of heaven. And he gets there, and Peter greets him, because Peter's the TSA guy, um, and he greets him, and he says, you know, you're not really supposed to bring anything in, and, and, he, and the guy says, well, the angel said I could take one carry-on. And Peter goes, okay, we'll do it this time. Uh, he goes, but I, I'm going to need to check what's in it. And the guy goes, okay. And so he starts unzipping it, and he gets it about halfway open, and Peter just starts laughing, just like hysterically starts laughing. And he goes and grabs Thomas, and he says, Thomas, you've got to get over here. You've got to see what this guy packed. And they're both looking in the suitcase, and they go, and they just start dying laughing, rolling on the floor laughing. And the guy goes, can you explain why you're laughing? Like, this was a lot of hard work for me. 
And Peter goes, the one thing you brought with you, the one thing you thought was wise to bring with you, you brought pavement? And the guy goes, I don't understand. He goes, look in front of you. And he, as far as I could see were roads paved with the very same gold blocks. Peter goes, we got a bunch of those back in the back. The word um, in these stories is perspective. They're, sil- they're silly stories. They're, um, they're uh, just analogies for, for where we're going. But the word is perspective. And it's an amazing gift when you can gain perspective. Um, we, we are currently in a climate within our world um, that perspective would be a, a really incredible gift. Look at, look at what's at stake right now. Our health is at risk. Our rights and our freedom are at risk. Our entertainment is at risk. Our leaders are at risk. Our wealth is at risk. Our jobs are at risk. Our educational system is at risk. Our political positions are at risk. Our safety is at risk. Our governmental systems are at risk. Our vacation plans are at risk. Our favorite restaurants are at risk. And those were just the things I could think of this morning at 5.30. And Metro Center is closing. June 30th. Did you guys hear that? After 47 years, Metro Center's closing. It's crazy. There goes my childhood memories. But here's the reality. We are in a climate right now where um, if we're not careful, we will feel as though we are losing everything. And when people get, human beings, I'm not, I'm not talking about anyone in particular, but when people get to that place, when the things that they uh, maybe hold most valuable are beginning to potentially be stripped from them. Uh, we, uh, we primarily see three uh, emotions that flow out of that. One would be fear, one would be anxiety, and, um, and, and that goes along with fear. Another one would be blame, and the final one would be anger. And you've seen it. You've seen all of those such things. You've seen people saying, it's their fault. It's his fault. You're saying it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And they're yelling louder and louder and throwing more things and screaming louder. We are watching our world uh, essentially explode. I believe... um, it would be a great gift for our world to have a bit of a restart. I believe that there is an army of people that have the living Spirit of God indwelling them that could um, pierce through the anxiety, the blame, the fear, the meanness, the unkindness, the division, and breathe great hope. And uh, I believe that's many of us in this room that have that Spirit of God within us. So let us restart. Let us be reminded of those patterns of new life within us. And um, I actually think our our, our homeboy Paul has a little something to say about it in in this book. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Philippians. Um, Again, we're going to be in Philippians 1, 12 through 18 primarily. Would you guys put the first slide up? Yep. I'll read it from mine. 
I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of the, uh, that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, that Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Um, will you just put that uh, next slide up? This is just the first little bit. I want to just kind of spend some time here. Um, and, and I want to start by talking a little bit about this concept of Paul's passion. And um, there's, there's a word that he uses maybe more than any other word in all of his 13 books, and the word is the gospel, the gospel. Paul has a passion for this word, the gospel. I, I, want, I want to prove it to you just in this first verse, or this first chapter. Um, I'll start in, in verse 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now, and I'll go down now to verse 7, but in my imprisonment and in the defense and uh, confirmation of the gospel, verse 12, happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Verse 16, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Verse 27, only let my manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Uh, so that whatever I come and see or in your absence, I may hear of you and your standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side in faith of the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. He can't stop talking about the gospel. In fact, it's 72 times that he mentions the gospel. I love it how he puts it in, in Acts. He, this is Acts 20, 24. He says, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Uh, King James Version in Romans 1.15, I love how that he says it. He says, so as much as as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you and also at Rome. As much as literally is within me, I am ready to preach the gospel. We, uh, many of us were here on Thursday night, and Thursday night, uh, 19 North created an event um, to host a, a panel of, of uh, black people from our community, some pastors, some just influential leaders, to share their story, their stories of racism, their stories of, of how they've been afflicted and, and their pain, and it was a beautiful night. Um, I, I got to sit back there and just kind of listen in, and it broke my heart at times, it gave me hope at times, but uh, there was a guy, he was sitting somewhere like right about here, and his name was Kevin Buchanan, if you were here, some of you remember him, I don't know him personally, uh, I just, the first time I ever met him was that evening, but um, one of the things that touched me afterwards, I just went up and I wanted to just hug him, but hashtag COVID, so I didn't... Um, he was talking about his life, and he was sharing about his imprisonment for, for 10 years and 
how he was unjustly accused and got put in jail. And, um, but he couldn't stop declaring the gospel. It was like every moment he had, the, this, and this event was not supposed to be a Christian event, but he just didn't care. It was like every moment he had the opportunity, the declaration of what Jesus had done in his life just kept flowing out of him. He couldn't stop. And I even went up to him afterwards, and I said, bro, you were like, you, you really touched me. And he goes, yeah, yeah, and he just starts sharing the gospel again. And he just can't stop. And I go, that is what I want my life to be about. Um, in your Bible, uh, in this verse that we have up here, do you see right in uh, verse 12, to serve to advance? Circle that word advance in your Bible. Yours might say progress or furtherance or spread. Just circle that word if you have a pen. Uh, this is a really interesting word that Paul chose to use. It only gets uh, used three times in all of Scripture, twice in Philippians, and once, I think, in 1 Timothy, maybe 2 Timothy. But the word is prokope. You want to try to say it? Prokope? Prokope? None of you said it. That's okay. I'm here. I'm going to do this. Um, and it's this interesting word about progress in the midst of opposition. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, de a descriptive word of forward progress, even though all of the conditions should be pushing you backwards. It gets used, this word uh, got used after this time uh, in, in a, as a nautical term about ships that would be sailing into a headwind, and despite the fact that they shouldn't be going anywhere, were making tremendous progress. I, uh, I, hear, I hear the conversation often about um, progress, about forward movement, about advancement, furtherance, um, and oftentimes it's like, look at the doors that have been opened for me. I know for me, personally, some of the greatest progress, some of the greatest advancement in my maturity and in my life were during those moments when doors were actually shutting on me. And I think it's beautiful that Paul chose to use that word. You see the word imperial guard in there? so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. Uh, this imperial guard, these were a, a kind of a sect of centurions. They were like an elite group, um, is who he's referencing in this. And so Paul, he's at uh, in in-house arrest during this time for two full years. And so what this means is at all times, he is physically chained to one of these centurions at all times. The, what, what, what gets recorded and documented um, in, in history is that most likely these guards were chained to Paul for up to six hours at a time. And then they would rotate. And there would be four different shifts throughout the day. And generally speaking, each week those shifts would uh, change as to not um, have these guards start to uh, fall in love with the person they are uh, trying to keep in. And so they, they would switch it up, keep it moving. And so over a two-year period of time, Paul probably was chained to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different Roman generals for long stretches of the time. What do you think he talked about? The gospel. If I knew I had you guys for six hours, captive audience, do some damage. And then these generals are 
getting to know Jesus, and they are leaving infected. And then it says the other brothers are now, um, the other believers in Rome are now being encouraged. Um, and I wonder why, right? You, you, you see these Roman generals coming after being in with Paul, and they are now on fire for the Lord, and people are going, I think we're good. Let's keep preaching the good news. Beautiful. Let's, let's keep going into the second section of our verse. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Um, this verse here can get used and, and, and a little bit um, twisted in, in people say, see, you can kind of teach whatever you want, and as long as you use the name Jesus Christ, um, it's good to go. And I don't think that's what Paul is referencing here. Um, if, if you go to Galatians, you don't need to go there now, but Galatians 1, 6 through 9, he says, I'm astonished that you so quickly are deserting him who called you in grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you've received, let him be accursed. Those are some passionate words from our boy Paul. I don't think in what he is saying here, he is saying, go ahead and teach whatever you want to teach and we'll just call it good. I think what he is saying is that even Jesus Christ sometimes, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, gets declared accurately from people with bad motives, from people with um, maybe a distorted agenda. And he's saying, look, so what? <laughs> as long as Jesus Christ is getting declared, I'm for it. I'm going to rejoice. I don't know what to do with verses like that. Sometimes they rub me in a weird way, but I, but I understand what he's getting at. He's saying, look, if my goal is that the gospel of Jesus Christ would get out, So be it. Let, let it fly. Even, even if sometimes those that are declaring the truth of Jesus are doing it from a terrible motive, I'm thankful. Um, it's amazing that um, throughout this whole book, Paul um, keeps being brought back to this word rejoice and joy. I think that there is something to be said about um, when a passion that you have in your heart aligns with the heart of God, there will be joy, even hope, even when circumstances don't warrant such emotions. Have you ever felt that? When, when, when you feel like um, this passion that is within me, this desire, this longing, this hope, this dream, when it, when it aligns with the movement of God, when it aligns with the heart of God, that you can find great joy 
no matter the circumstance. I, I, believe, um, I believe in the promises of God that what he started, he will continue. And I believe that God-given promises create hope. And I believe that God-given passions create joy. I believe that God-given promises produce peace in me, that restful place of peace. And God-given passions create purpose. I, I'm convinced that God-given promises pr produce um, this sense of perseverance like, I can withstand the storm because of the promises of God. And I believe that God-given passions give me a sense of my calling. Um, do, I hope you realize, it's in Scripture in a bunch of different ways, but that same Spirit of God that actually rose Jesus from the grave is the same Spirit that indwells you and I. And if you remember what Jesus' purpose was, and knowing that his spirit indwells you, listen to remember what his purpose was? Remember this verse, John 3.16? It says, um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And it says, And God did not send him, this is the next verse, to judge the world or to condemn the world, but to save it. It was the very gospel, the hope of the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ that was the very reason behind sending Jesus to begin with. Um, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to say that yet. Um, I think for those of us that have put our trust in Jesus and he promises that he is maturing us, that he is growing us up, that this new creation spirit within us, this new life that is within us, these new rhythms and patterns of the spirit that are growing within us, I think one of the amazing litmus tests to see that spirit working, like if, if you want to leave with something practical, I think one of those litmus tests, and I don't even, I don't want to say this in a weird way, so just be gracious with me with how this comes out, but one of those litmus tests is to um, realize how quickly um, we allow our joy to be stolen by certain things, right? Like, like that's, that's an incredible litmus test to go, man, I am so, it's so easy for me in a lot of areas to have my joy robbed from me. I don't, I think Paul was probably a lot of work to be with because he was just probably so like upbeat. Like, hey, have you ever heard about the gospel? The guy's like, you're chained up. I'm ch like literally chained to you as you're going to the bathroom. And he's like, hey, by the way, can I tell you about the gospel? And he just was so alive and free and it felt like nothing slowed him down. I think if I align my heart with the very thing that is the heart of God, the spreading of the gospel, I don't think I'll be as disappointed about the circumstances in the life that I'm living in. Because here's the reality. 
I would be aligning myself with something that cannot be defeated. You understand, like, there have been many that have tried to shut down the gospel. And they can't, and they won't, and they never will. In the Gospel of John, it says the darkness has not yet defeated it, and it won't ever. And so when I align my heart, when I let that spirit within me that cries out for the declaration of Jesus Christ to be known and heard and realized and accepted and trusted, when that is what gets me fired up, I guarantee you that I won't be disappointed. No matter, come, come what may, I'm going to rejoice because the gospel is not constrained by a virus or a political movement or chains or a jail cell or a part of a country or an island. The gospel does not slow down. It keeps moving out. And if I have hitched my wagon to that, there is great peace, there is great hope, and most of all, there is, there is great joy. And I think what will happen is I will find that I am not so much trying to defend myself, my rights, my health, my positions. I'll find that what I am most concerned with is defending the gospel. Be confident of this, that God is up to something. I... I I, I can't even put language to it right now, but God is up to something. When you watch the way that our world is reacting and moving and crying out, he's up to something. He does not waste an opportunity. He is not sleeping. He is still in charge. And so I can, in confidence, be about the gospel. I so want this church to be known for that. People be like, what you guys about? The gospel. No, 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 like, like what else do you guys, what do you guys, we're about the gospel. We, we believe it is the only thing that has any kind of hope for humanity. Like, we, we, we don't have another plan. It's just the gospel. Like, like to the point where Paul says, hey, look, like I could throw away everything else about my life as long as I get to declare the goodness of Jesus Christ. Like, what, what if that was this community? What if we were a community that said, look, put aside everything else. I'm going to be about the gospel because it's the only thing that I know has the power to change me has the power to save me. It's the only thing that I have ever felt that has released the chains of my own selfish ambition and my own condemnation. It is the only thing that has given me a purpose worth living for. We should end right there. I, uh, I believe it is a gift of God's grace that he has given something in your heart, in this new creation. I believe it is a gift from God that you have been given the calling and marching orders to be a part of the gospel. Because what it does is it removes you from self and it calls you into something that is far bigger than anything else that has ever shown up onto this planet. And it is the gospel. And so um, my prayer is that during this restart, 
during this time of saying, how can we as the church move into this world that is hurting? My prayer would be that we would be convinced that the only thing that has the power to change would be the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified and him raised. And so join me in that. Let me pray for us, uh, and then we'll go straight into communion and uh, do a little bit more worshiping together. Lord, we, uh, we give you this time. We love you, and we thank you. And um, Lord, we, we, um, we want to be a people, Lord, that, um, that every time we open our mouth, it's like, it's like all of a sudden your spirit just comes out and the gospel is declared. And Lord, there's times where it feels like um, it's the last thing on my mind. And so Lord, I know you've given us your spirit. I know that literally the spirit of Jesus Christ himself indwells me. I believe that fully with everything in me, Lord. I believe that that reality is true. Lord, would you continue to wake that up? Would you continue to restart, jumpstart, so that we'd be reminded of this truth, this reality. We need you, Lord. We know the world needs you. And we are honored to partner with you in the gospel of grace. In Jesus' name, amen.